Welcome back to the BC Law Just Law Podcast. I'm Tom Blake. I'm here with Jim Fiore and Professor Brian Quinn. Uh, today we're talking about Microsoft, specifically its acquisition of the company Activision. It's been making the headlines in M&A circles, business circles, attracting the attention of regulators, gamers, tech, and just everybody it seems like is talking about um, this deal. So we want to be talk, talk about what's going on, some of the complications, some of the things that have uh, been in the news when it comes to uh, what's going on with, with these two companies. But first of all, Professor, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us. Uh, before we get started, we just wanted to uh, talk a little about you. I know you teach M&A here. Uh, you're, you're kind of the guy when it comes to this topic, but anything you'd want folks to know about you, you know, what you what you study, what you teach, and uh, you know, you, you told me before we got started about uh, how much you've been talking about this deal in your class this semester. What, what has that been like? Yeah, so I teach uh, corporate law, mergers and acquisitions, and uh, venture capital, so in the business law space here uh, here at the law school. And I also uh, research in the area of mergers and acquisitions in particular. So I spend a lot of time thinking about uh, the legal issues surrounding deals like this. And as part of uh, my regular M&A class, we typically take a deal that's in the news uh, any given semester, and we follow that through the course of the semester so we can we can understand what the legal issues are and we can see them play out in real life. Sure. And this semester we've been looking at a, a couple of deals, including the Activision deal. Sure. Uh, so why is this such a massive deal? I mean, the, the billing you see in headlines is, you know, record deal, blockbuster deal. Like, what, what makes this deal so significant? Well, one, size. Right. I mean, it's a $68 billion or $69 billion deal, which mm-hmm. in the software space is really big. And it's certainly Microsoft's largest deal uh, by dollar value that they've done to date. So they've not done anything this big. Uh, so it's uh, going to grab attention uh in any with any without uh, anyway right just because of its uh, its size uh, but there are other issues going on uh, surrounding it but the size is really what uh, draw people's attention right away yeah now why why would these companies do this deal now i mean these are both well established companies in their industries obviously microsoft which has had an evolution through the years in technology activision is just a gaming powerhouse why does this deal make sense right now for these two companies well activision for its own reasons has got issues yeah. right? so they're at a crossroads that they're uh, uh, where it's probably the right time for them to, to think about uh, right. uh, going in, not not staying independent. Uh, but for Microsoft, there are a couple of things going on here, right? On the one hand, they, they think, you know, the metaverse. Mm-hmm. What is that? We have to be a part of it. And gaming gives them at least an opportunity to be part of that, right, yeah. the metaverse. So uh, they're looking at this as, in part, a, uh, a way to solidify their, their foothold in the future, whatever that is. Right? No one really knows, but gaming is certainly going to be a part of that. And then, uh, second, it's a bigger play with respect to Microsoft and the whole structure of um, the gaming business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so put the metaverse aside. Uh, if you're th- if you're Microsoft, you've be- you've been through these battles before with uh, uh, with respect to your uh, your your operating system. Uh, you know, App- Apple on the one side with the walled garden, mm-hmm. and Microsoft a little bit more open mm-hmm. uh, and trying to go that way and. Uh, what they're doing here with Activision is they're making a bet on an open, right. uh, an open system. So where Sony uh, has is going to require you to continue to buy the Sony mm-hmm. within their ecosystem. Within their ecosystem, right. uh, th- this is going to give Microsoft an ability to get to everybody, mobile, all sorts mm-hmm. of devices, in a in a way that's kind of familiar for Microsoft in terms of the way they've attached attra- attacked the uh, operating system market. So I had two questions about each of these companies, and then we'll go to Jim. Uh, the first one is, you know, I was reading a uh, Wall Street Journal article recently. It was, uh, the, I believe the headline was, you know, how uh, Microsoft became Washington's favorite tech company. If you saw this, and they talked about uh, Microsoft President Brad Smith cultivating, you know, positive relationships in mm-hmm. Washington recently, you know, at a time where tech companies generally, you know, really Microsoft's 
rivals are really soured and sort of found themselves in the crosshairs of uh, regulators. And, and it, you know, at one point in time, you know, years ago, Microsoft was the poster child of an antitrust tech violator. You know, the kind of people who uh, would have a hard time pulling off this deal. And the article in the journal argued how. You know, at this point, Microsoft might be the only company, you know, as opposed to Amazon or Google or Facebook, who could get away with a deal like this. Why is that? Why would regulators look a little bit more favorably at uh, Microsoft acquiring Activision as opposed to Facebook or Google or, or somebody else? Yeah, so uh, Microsoft has, since it went through its uh, uh, its uh, antitrust trial, you know, it's been a quiet player. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been very, I mean, obviously they're a big player, uh, but they've not been as aggressive and as in the in your face as some of the more recent, uh, you know, more recent big tech companies. But that doesn't say they're going to be able to get away with it. I mean, get right. away with it. They're not be able to get this deal done without compromise. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a deal that's, uh, you know, comes along at the wrong time mm -hmm. for anybody in tech looking to do a large transaction. Yeah. It's attracting, it's attracting and will continue to attract attention, not just from uh, the FTC, but also from Congress uh, and others. So it's a, it's really a, the wrong time to do a huge deal. Yeah. And Jim, I think you want to ask about the process of yeah. doing the deal. Yeah. So where are we actually in the process? Because, I mean, a deal like this, is there any is there any normal process? And you, you can't really predict how long it'll take, but but where are we now in the process? And uh, You have a general idea how long okay. it's going to take. So in this deal or a deal, any deal like this, uh, first uh, they'll sign, they'll negotiate uh, and then sign a merger contract. Mm -hmm. That contract, that, that process might take a few months. Uh, as they go through due diligence, and they figure out well, what's what's this company got going, what are yeah. the issues, right? Uh, and then once it's signed, uh, typically uh, you're required to make a filing with the federal government if it's a deal of a certain size, and this is clearly mm -hmm. one of them, for the federal government to, to review the tra transaction for purposes of antitrust. And if it's not an antitrust-sensitive transaction, after 30 days or so, the federal government's going to give you a wave off and, off yeah. and you can go off and finish the deal. Uh, but this is a deal where the parties clearly anticipated that the government would care. Mm -hmm. uh, and if the government cares, they'll issue what's called a second request, where they essentially back up, you know, all the semi-trucks. You know, year, years ago, it used to be all in paper. So yeah. it used to be these large trucks of documents. Now it's all in a few thumb drives. But nevertheless, it's a lot of material. It's three or four years worth of internal corporate documents that you have to send to the government. The government conducts additional investigations. That could take some time. At the end of perhaps six months or so, the government's going to make a determination. Do they want to sue you to block the transaction, or are they going to permit the transaction mm -hmm. to go forward with some changes in the rest? So this is a this is going to go on for at least 18 months. Okay. And, and in this case, only the FTC is reviewing it, but sometimes the Justice Department can review it. And why, why is that? Why is there a difference there? When would when would one or the other agency um, look into a, into a merger? Yeah, so uh, antitrust is – there is concurrent jurisdiction between uh -huh. the Department of Justice Antitrust Division and the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, and <laughs> informally, they, they divvy up uh, mm -hmm. the deals, as it were. So consumer-facing deals tend to, be, do, to, tend to be reviewed by the FTC, so mm -hmm. that includes, includes software. Uh, bricks and mortars, factories, you know, heavy industry goes to the DOJ. Uh, if and when there's a, a determination with respect to a – criminal investigation with respect to antitrust that always goes yeah. through the DOJ. But in, in these kind of deal approvals, they'll be they're, they're handled as you know between the FTC and DOJ. They just split them internally as to who does evaluation uh, does the evaluation. In this case it's the FTC. Yeah. So in terms of attracting the, the ire of the FTC recently had uh, Senators Warren, Sanders, uh, White House and Booker sent a letter to the FTC under Chairwoman uh, Lena Khan, obviously mm -hmm. under 
the Biden administration under Khan's leadership, the FTC has uh, got obviously a very different attitude towards uh, regulation than under the, the Trump administration. So they had a few concerns. Number one, obviously, re- you know, regarding the monopoly power, monopsony power, et cetera, of the deal and sort of the rudiments of how, uh, you know, regulators look at, you know, market power and, you know, will consumers be harmed, et cetera. But one of the other uh, albatrosses, it seems like, for, you know, one of the companies in this deal, Activision, has been their culture problem. And I was... Yeah, I mean, obviously you read about what's been going on there and it's really troublesome, but the fact that it's so troublesome to where it, you know, seems like it's, uh, you know, attracting scrutiny from regulators in terms of, uh, you know, how is the, the culture at this company, you know, what happened, how, how is that affecting the deal you had? Um, the, the center's also cited concerns over what it would mean for competition, saying as this proposed deal moves forward in the process, the FTC should assess whether the ways in which these companies have failed to protect the rights and dignity of their workers are driven by monopsony power or amount to anti-competitive harms in the market. Talking about, uh, obviously, at Activision, there's been sexual harassment, just a lot of really messed up things at Activision. So I guess, how does that affect the deal, um, you know, in terms of the culture problems at Activision, as well as, you know, the traditional aspects of, you know, the, the market and consumer harm and things you'd be concerned about? Yeah, well, this, uh, earlier I said this is like the worst time to do a big deal right. like this. And, and, and the reason is this. At the time when this deal gets announced, the FT, FTC, the DOJ within the Biden administration are going through a, a very uh, a public rethink of approaching antitrust enforcement. Since the 1970s, uh, under Democratic and Republican administrations, there's been a consensus view that uh, consumer welfare is the measuring stick. So if a transaction, a proposed merger, results in improved consumer welfare, so lower prices for consumers, well, that's fine. We're just going to let it happen, even if that means increasing consolidation of industry. Uh, You know, Lena Khan and uh, Tim Wu and others who are part of the Biden administration, they represent a different view with respect to the enforcement of antitrust. and, And they say, wait a minute. You know, consumer welfare, what does that mean if, uh, we, if you've got a, a someone basically doing, uh, doing like a, every transaction is a loss leader? They bring in, they lose the money, they don't care, but the effect is they, can, they consolidate the market, they control the market, and they can affect prices up and down, or they use your private information for, for, for their own purposes. Maybe, maybe should we should take a rethink, they say, about like what it means, what are the competitive effects, and what we should be thinking about. And in particular, they think about things like uh, the effect on labor. Uh, of consolidated industries, uh, and you know whether or not that's that's always the right choice. It's whether that's always the right uh, decision to allow these kinds of transactions to go forward. If the effect is to uh, decrease the amount of potential employers out there for for workers, how much has uh, the problems Activision has had inside their 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 shop in terms of culture and just and you know, everything that's sort of taken over the the headlines when it comes to Activision, how much of a role and what role has that played in, 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 in this deal? And perhaps I think you alluded to Activision deciding, you know, this is a time to time to change, especially in terms of leadership. There's uh, Bobby Kotick, I believe his name is, um, has, you know, really been been mired in, in, in all of this. I guess what role has Activision's problem played in, in, in this deal? Well, it's really made them vulnerable, right? Yeah. So they, they've been enduring for the last couple of years just the uh, uh, these uh, sexual harassment issues that have been part of the, bre- the frat bro culture right. of that particular company have just come to the fore and they've just been in the headlines. When you when you look for like news about Activision prior to this deal, it was all about that. Right. And that's just a, a, a terrible look with respect to leadership. So there's a lot of calls with in, in, uh, inside the investment community about, is, are these the right leaders for this particular company? And these are Activision shareholders? Maybe Activision shareholders, yeah, because yeah. it, it, it affects the stock price, right. obviously. And so there you know, you know, are people calling for change. And mm-hmm. you know, at this point, that makes them vulnerable to an acquisition or vulnerable or more amenable to an acquisition if they can uh, link up with Microsoft. Microsoft can take the lead on these kinds of issues and perhaps give the business uh, some more 
the time. And, and how does how does the FTC like take that into consideration? Because you know, obviously, FTC is looking at you know the the, the harmed class potentially from this like bigger company, but it's kind of like this separate tangential issue. Yeah, I don't I don't think the the sexual harassment litigation per se is going to attract a lot of attention from the FTC. Mm-hmm. I think issues re- with respect to unionization. Uh, uh, issues uh, on the labor side more generally mm-hmm. uh, might be the kind of thing that attract the FTC's attention. Uh, issues with respect to uh, use of uh, consumer privacy, uh, you know, the effect on on consumers of the transaction would be the kind of thing that the FTC is going to pay attention to. And again, this is all in the the new FTC, the new uh, the, the, the new, Biden FTC, the Biden FTC. Right. Uh, but the funny thing is, is that we we might say it's the Biden FTC, but there is a weird. Uh, coalition of forces that agree on very very few things from from opposite sides of the aisle you're saying opposite sides of the aisle but when you say big tech right they all agree yeah that's something terrible we should do something about that so there are there are weird coalitions that could form around this so maybe not necessarily what lena khan wants but lena khan and marco rubio suddenly together josh Mm -hmm. hawley tom cotton all all saying yeah we'll we'll do something i mean you had a couple years ago like both you know, now President Biden and then President Trump both wanted to like eliminate Section 230 to punish tech companies for very different reasons. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it seems like everyone has a problem with big tech. Yeah, everyone um, does, and so that it just yeah. it's just a weird time, and and no one really knows what what the result will be. But right. it won't be what it was two years ago. With respect to um, you know corporate law and in, in the responsibilities of you know the, the leadership of a corporation to, to shareholders, you know, obviously Activision has you know, hasn't been going in a good direction the last few years in terms of their leadership, the problems they've had. Um, to the extent you're, you know, familiar with this, how much has, um, you know, shareholders of Activision, what role have they played in deciding um, that, you know, changes needed to be made um, in terms of the leadership and the direction of the company? Or is this purely, um, you know, Microsoft saying like, okay, you know, we, we want to, you know, you talked about the metaverse, like this is a way we can compete. This is a, you know, this is a, this is a time to strike. Like, I, I guess, what are the origins of, of this deal relative to where each company stands? Yeah, so Microsoft has their own business reasons for doing mm-hmm. the deal. And from the point of view of, uh, a, you know, a company like Activision, you know, their their stock has been uh, hurt by the by the recent revelations just to their, 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 their internal culture. And uh, being able to sell the company for cash at a premium mm-hmm. over the market price uh, for stockholders, that's a pretty good solve for, for, their, for their wounds, right? For them to say, okay, if I'll, get, I'll take $95 for my shares uh, and let someone else worry about this going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to ask you uh, something about you mentioned a little bit before about the, uh, the App Store changes and how they're mm-hmm. trying to make their App Store more open, you know, to distinguish themselves from like Apple and Google because Apple was in the news about big lawsuit where they were taking 30% of every purchase. Is that normal to, to make these changes, you know, right before like a merger and, and as the FTC is looking into it? So in the context of Microsoft, they announced, they, they basically pre-announced, we're going to keep this open yeah, uh, because they know mm-hmm. that the FTC is going to come after them and say, look, we're potentially, we're afraid that if you do this deal, you're going to prevent Sony users from uh, from playing these games unless yeah. they buy your uh, yeah. your set box, right? Uh, so they just said it, put it out there. Look, we're not going to do that, mm-hmm. and we're going to make this open to anybody as a way, I think, to reduce some fears on the co- side of the FTC that this is anti-competitive in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so following up on the App Store point, you, know, you mentioned this idea of the wall gardens and the ecosystems earlier on. One uh, you know development here, at least in the background for you know people who sort of follow you know the, the, these companies closely. There you know, were a number of articles I've read about how Microsoft approached Apple, basically trying to get their Game Pass subscription um, into the App Store. I mean, obviously, Apple's iOS, that's the uh, by far the predominant um, you know, mobile 
operating system that people are on, uh, their ecosystem, the walled garden, you know, the, obviously Epic Games and, and a lot of the, the, the issues Apple's having in terms of preserving that ecosystem with respect to, you know, uh, threats in, in terms of regulation. Um, the, the way that that works, you can't have, if you're a company like Microsoft, and you have a Game Pass subscription, you have a library of games, and you have, you know, sort of your own ecosystem. Microsoft cannot bring that onto iOS. You have to basically sell every game individually, and that's subjected to Apple's 30% cut. And so, you know, Microsoft, as I understand it, was very interested in thinking, like, okay, how do we, you know, tap this market of iOS users who want to play our Xbox titles? Um, so that did not work out. And so now you have, uh, you know, due to Apple's policies, which are obviously under fire, um, right now. So then you have Microsoft going and, you know, obviously seeing a growth opportunity with respect to Activision. So going forward, I mean, you have regulation on the one hand, you have, you know, the metaverse and a lot of changes that are going on now. Where do you think, you know, assuming Microsoft's able to complete this acquisition, the the, the landscape that emerges on the other side of this, um, in terms of gaming, in terms of operating systems, walled gardens, like, what does the future look like? You have regular, you know, abroad and, you know, domestically now who say, you know what, we, we, you know, we, we need a you can't just have the app store be the only game in town. What kind of future are we going towards here in terms of the, the marketplace and competition? It's an open question, right? Yeah. Because because these are the same long-term bets that people made with respect to operating systems years ago, right? Wall Garden versus more open system. You know, Microsoft is, again, you know, the Xbox to sent that was a walled garden. They're moving away from that into a, to a more open approach to their, uh, to their uh, gaming systems, which mm -hmm. is, I guess, familiar territory for them almost. Um, but... How it's going to re this is all going to be played out in the marketplace in front of us, and certainly the government's going to have have a voice have a voice in this with respect to the FTC and the DOJ and how they think about the walled gardens going forward. Uh, but uh, it's the same the same old same old almost for for both of these companies uh, over the years. Uh, another question I had. So you know, obviously you, you talk about the we're talking about sort of the, the trajectory here. Um, of these companies, and Microsoft in particular. Microsoft itself, I think it's interesting, we, we spoke early on about how at one point Microsoft was the, the villain in terms of antitrust and, you know, sort of someone that, uh, you know, lawmakers would look uh, upon with a lot of scrutiny. But you've had, you know, when you look at their competitors, you look at it to the extent they are competitors, you know, Amazon, Google, Apple, you know, all these other big tech companies, as it were, it does feel like from a business strategy standpoint, Microsoft over you know the last few years has differentiated itself and managed to stay out of the fray and avoid the ire of lawmakers in a way that seems like none of their peers have been able to. Why is that? What does it say about the market, about Microsoft? Are they doing things differently? I, I know like obviously they don't operate a social network. They're not in surveillance capitalism, which is something that's an issue. Well, right? well, I, I think what are they doing? I think that's exactly it. Yeah. I mean, because they were they were the biggest fish in town for a long time, still are big right. fish, right? In terms of profit, they're the biggest fish yeah. in town. But in terms of like keeping but their, they, but they what they didn't do is they didn't they were unsuccessful yeah. in their attempts to get into the social network game. I mean, right. I suspect if they had if they were able to to jump in early and, and succeed, they would have been there and right. been just as hated as everybody else. Right. Uh, but uh, you know the the social networks that did did get traction and succeed, they're the ones that are the that are attracting all the attention. The attention mm -hmm. that Microsoft used to have because it would insert itself into your operating system uh, and. Uh, the the browser wars and all, and all the rest, but uh, mm -hmm. that was overtaken by the social networks, and I think they're probably pretty happy that they missed that boat. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, they're still in the game; they're doing very, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, but now they're going to get back in, and they're getting back in, back in at a very high profile. Well, so, so yeah, targets coming back. And as as far as Microsoft President Brad Smith kind of creating relationships and friendships with Congress, is do you think that's another part of the way they were able to kind of like stay under the radar? And do you think, you know, they would start creating new rules and regulations to avoid that? You know. 
Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, all of these, all the tech companies, I think constitutionally, they feel like we're on the West Coast. You know, the mountains are high and the emperor is far away. We do what we want to do out here, right? Um, but they all have made investments, different kinds of investments in their uh, in their D.C.-based lobbying operations, uh, you know, uh, and you know, with varying success. And I think, uh, like, you just look at what Facebook has done, and they've been very, very aggressive, very partisan mm -hmm. in terms of their hiring. And, you know, Microsoft has been able to, to get away with, first, not being in the attention mm -hmm. sphere, right, because they're not on the... Not not very aggressive in social social networks, but also probably probably a little smarter in terms of uh, uh, fewer fewer firebrands right in their in their hiring. Because like you said, they're not on social media. But I mean, and this isn't to say they haven't been profitable. They haven't been no, successful. No, they're just in like you know uh, business to business cloud service things that are relatively unremarkable. They're not um, you know uh, issues like you know kids getting addicted to TikTok and just you know sort of all the things that we're we're used to hearing about now. So it's it's really interesting. Um, the last question I had there was one. Um, Flashpoint issue that came up recently, a matter of insider trading, where you had uh, film and music executive David Geffen on January 14th, so four days before the merger is announced on the 18th, buys $108 million worth of stock, and it's $40 a share or so. Um, call options, options, right. Um, SEC is looking into that. Uh, what do you know about that? Can that uh, interfere with a deal like this at all? Is it simply a matter of bad press, or what's what's going on with that? So that's not likely going to interfere with the, yeah. the execution of the transaction. But the facts, that, as we know them, mm -hmm. involve uh, Geffen, uh, Barry Diller, and Alex von Furstenberg. Uh, so as it turns out, Alex von Furstenberg is the stepson of Barry Diller. Barry mm -hmm. Diller sits on the uh, board of Coca-Cola, or did sit on the board of Coca-Cola with uh, Bobby Kotnick, the CEO of Activision. And in the week prior to them doing this purchase of in-the-money call options at $40, uh, Alex von Furstenberg had a lunch. Had a I'm sorry, had a breakfast <laughs> with uh, Bobby Kotnick, uh, where they say they did not discuss this transaction. But nevertheless, they did this deal, so right. it's very fishy, mm -hmm. uh, and it's the kind of thing that immediately draws the attention of regulators uh, once uh, they go through the trades. Okay, um, well that's all I had, Jim. Yeah, I just want to ask you. It's more of like a, a business strategy question about you know the pros and cons of this. Microsoft growing through acquisition as opposed to organic growth. Do you have any thoughts on like you know the pros and cons of that? Well, that's you know uh, you know make or buy is a is a, a regular decision that corporations may yeah. uh, have to have to encounter, and uh, you know, the buy decisions a very common decision. If you can outsource risk, mm -hmm. uh, so development of uh, of a particular resource that you want you think might or might not be profitable, you outsource that to a third party, uh, and just pick up. You know, pay for the the winners, as it were. It's a very successful strategy for lots of companies. So, yeah. uh, so th you know, every business, uh, w every successful business will have a business development arm, and that business development arm is constantly engaging and asking the question: Is there someone out there who we can acquire who can make our business more profitable? So, the acquisition strategy is part of every every strong business. Yeah, and then and part of that strategy is, would you say, thinking through? potential bad press of like going through a, a merger investigation, or not an investigation, but just like a review? Yeah, uh, more than bad press. It's uh, every time there's a, uh, there's a merger decision, a buy decision, part of, that de part of that decision is what's the risk of this not happening because mm -hmm. of X, Y, or Z, Z usually being the government saying no. Mm -hmm. uh, just one last point, just to sort of uh, bring everything home. So we've talked about, you know, Microsoft's rivals and, you know, that the, you know, these, these companies probably have a much harder time completing the ac uh, this acquisition. 
Uh, let's just kind of run that hypo through as something that, you know, obviously you, people will think about. Let's say, you know, Apple decided, you know what, we really want to do more with gaming. We want to get into the metaverse too, or Amazon or, or any of these other companies decides it. You know, obviously the first thing you think about is, oh, these companies are, uh, from, from a regulatory standpoint, uh, can't catch a break. Like every day they're, um, you know, getting into trouble. And you I mean, you've had this, you know, lately Amazon with you. I mean, Amazon's in the news every day for something terrible, whether it's, you know, unions or, or you know, just the, their contract workers or, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Google's had its fair share of problems, Facebook. I mean, all these companies have been, you know, taken to the cleaners in the last few years in Washington. But I guess from a, you know, if you can help us understand what FTC or DOJ uh, look at when they're reviewing a merger to figure out, you know, obviously the, the effect on the market, the effect on consumers. What is it about Microsoft doing this deal that is perhaps a little bit less odious with respect to the marketplace and potential harms than other companies, besides the fact those companies themselves uh, are just under more scrutiny these days and are a little bit less, a little bit less popular in town? Um, I don't think that Microsoft, Microsoft is got any sort of special armor here. Mm. Um, I mean, they're not, uh, they're not the big bad boy that they used to be in right. that regard, right? So, uh, but they do. There are real issues, you know, with respect to uh, the the transaction. And you know, I could imagine, even if the FTC and the DOJ were not in the midst of a of a reorganization or a redirection of their policy, I could imagine that this transaction would, from a consumer welfare point of view, also draw lots of attention, because someone's going to say, "Hey, wait a minute, what's the uh, what, uh, you know, what uh, assurance do we have as a as market regulators that you're not going to create a walled garden and prevent people from playing these games anymore mm -hmm. unless they pay for your service? Uh, and so we want some sort of assurance before you do this deal. So that was good. I think that's gonna that was gonna happen anyway. And part of the reason why Microsoft said we're going to make this open is to deflect from that kind of criticism. So it's mm -hmm. a, so this is a deal that's got uh, issues. It's got to overcome. It's got to they've got to win over regulators to ensure that they're going to be able to meet not just the consumer welfare standard, but also the other, these other new issues with respect to all the upstream issue, all the upstream problems. Very good. Uh, well, it's certainly an interesting deal to talk about and an interesting deal to watch going forward. Uh, well, that's been the BC Law Just Law podcast. Again, I'm Tom Blakely. This is Jim Fiore, and we've been uh, lucky enough to talk to Professor Brian Quinn about Microsoft and Activision and everything that's going on there. Uh, until next time, that'll do it, and uh, thank you for tuning in.